0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited today, as I always am, because we've got another amazing entrepreneur with us today. His name is Samuel Libenzon, and he is up in Massachusetts. Well, yeah, Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Massachusetts. Perfect. And his business is Oakland Trust, and he helps inventors market their ideas and their products. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you for, for having the time to talk to me and giving me the platform to share ideas and tips to your audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. I'm sure we're gonna have some great conversation. And I know it's going to be really valuable to the audience and to myself. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. Let's just dive right in. Tell people a little bit more about Oakland Trust and who you help and how you got started with that.
1: Yeah, so I started it about four years ago now, 2019. At the beginning of 2019, about September, I started originally, we were doing print advertisements for our first client actually was Boston Jewels. It was just a Boston jewelry store that I went and bought some watches from in the past. so I knew the owner already and I just asked him if he needed any help marketing because I wanted to I wanted to start a business my freshman year in college because I did some entrepreneurial stuff back when I was like in high school, 15 I started a clothing company which it wasn't too successful, but I got a lot of learning experience. I did a startup boot camp at CIC Boston. so I got into tech and entrepreneurship. We pitched to a PayPal founder. So I got a lot of experience before, but I just didn't have the capital to start like a, a very expensive business. So I was looking at business ideas that would be cheap to start pretty much, low overhead that I could run from my house. Just do it via like myself on my computer or my phone. Pretty much, yeah, just the easiest business to start as someone who's a young entrepreneur. And so I came across digital marketing, but... I didn't really have the skills, honestly, to do like SEO. I didn't know how to do graphic design. So I just thought the simpler way would just be to go in person, just ask them, hey, what do you need? And instead of just picking something first, I just went and asked a couple businesses, like, what would you actually need? And they all pretty much said they don't have a good advertisement on the storefront, like a physical advertisement. So I just went around, found some place that could print it and pretty much made my first design like on Canva. Back before they were advertising and they're popular, I just printed it out pretty much, delivered it, and it was on there for three years. And it had my name at the bottom, Oakland Trust Marketing. So it was a good ad for us. And that's how I started. So from there, it was a lot easier because I would just be able to be like, hey, I made an ad for this place down the street and they're pretty legit. And they've been running for a while. Would you guys want something similar? So after that, it took off in terms of I was just doing, I had four or five clients that first year. That were physical, all physical print ads. And when COVID hit, that's when I entered the digital and I started learning Photoshop, InDesign, all that stuff, just getting more in tune with the, the programs, learning SEO. Pretty much uh, that's how I started. Very
0: cool. You brought up a really good point in there, which I want to highlight. And that's that so many people, when they start a business, they go out with the idea that they already have with something that they want or they like. And they don't actually talk to the people they're going to be selling to and find out what it is they actually need. And that's when you run into a product market mismatch because you're just putting out the thing you think people need without actually finding out. So it's really great that that you went and did that. Can you speak to what maybe some misconceptions you had about what you thought these businesses were going to need versus what they actually needed?
1: Yeah, definitely. So that's what I learned early on is when I tried to start a clothing company with some of my friends. We were just trying to make something that we thought people wanted and that we thought was cool, but we hadn't even asked anybody, even in our school, just what would you wear, what are you looking for, and so we didn't ask any of those questions. And I think that was like the number one reason that we failed is we didn't have any market research. We didn't really know what the customers wanted, and we just thought that when you see someone like inspirational, like Steve Jobs, say something like oh, you have to come up with something that people don't even know they need yet. You, you might think you have something like that, but that's very difficult to do in the real world. And you really truly need to have something innovative to be able to create like a need for something that people don't even know exists yet. It's a lot easier to just go out and ask people because people are willing to talk like that that was actually one of my biggest fears too is public like speaking just to random people and people were super friendly is what i found business owners they want to talk to young entrepreneurs they want to give you information they really want to help like genuinely and a lot of people were a lot more friendly than I thought they would, it would be. Uh, you'd see business people like in movies being very rough and serious, but it, it doesn't really have to be that way necessarily. And a lot of people are very kind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that so many entrepreneurs and just people in general have trouble with. It's just actually going up to people, especially strangers and talking to them, having a conversation. And uh, obviously the best way to get over that is to just go out and do it. And when you do that, you find out like you did what people need and, you know, how to better direct your business. So now you said you started out with a watch business. Now, as you shifted, are you focusing more on still like on physical products or what does it look like for you today?
1: Yeah. So then after that, we switched to, it was more like startups. So we had like our most. Known one is Moss Pure that I helped work on right at the beginning. I did their marketing. They've been featured in Forbes and stuff. And it, it's a woman who created like an invention. It's like a moss wall that purifies the air naturally. And so, more like startups, some just more digital internet companies that, that are just basically run off of a website and an Instagram page. So, drop shipping, e commerce stores, just digital clothing brands, things like that. We had an app that was a startup. So, just pretty much more internet-involved businesses, but it doesn't necessarily mean like we excluded physical businesses. Uh, we just recently did an antique store. So that that was local print advertisement, just A-frame sign, typical standard marketing stuff. So it's not like we went away from that, we just added it to the mix.
0: Okay, got you. Now, you obviously talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. What do you find they struggle the most with when it comes to marketing?
1: Yeah, so the main question that I ask when a client comes in is, Do you want to look professional or do you want to go viral? So do you want to actually get a lot of exposure for your brand or do you want to continue to look professional on the internet? I think that's something that a lot of people hadn't thought about before because they think that you can go viral on the internet and get internet famous by just doing the same thing that other brands do. And a lot of people, they're not really willing to look weird on the internet, if that's a good way to put it. Because a lot of the things that go viral on the internet and a lot of the marketing campaigns that go viral are not necessarily the boring classic. So that's what I found is a lot of people will ask, hey, can you make it look like this? Or can you make it very like aesthetically pleasing? But it's like people don't understand that that those things don't really necessarily get views and it doesn't really work on the internet. So it's like there's the real world business side where you have to be professional, but the internet business is completely different. So like the businesses on the internet that get featured on the Instagram stories and other people's pages are, are not necessarily the ones that are just doing the boring stuff.
0: Now, do you have people who come to you because they want to make a video where the words show up on screen and they're pointing and dancing?
1: Yeah, it's just like things like that, where they just don't, they have a little bit of a maybe disconnect between what they think. Is going to do well and what actually does do well
0: yeah so let's talk about that disconnect because i know business owners who have put all kinds of money into marketing and got no return and i know business owners who every time they put money into marketing they make 3x or more what is the difference there and what is the disconnect for most people
1: yeah. So there's this one brand, a clothing brand that was started as a passion project by a couple of brothers from New York. They have a pretty much, a, they had a physical, it had like tech and just pretty much accessories. It was a physical store in, in New York. And then they went digital. And But their passion project, they wanted to have a high-end fashion brand. And they pretty much let me do whatever I want. And when I told them, can I make this silly real? it will cost you nothing but it 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 could be funny i i could actually do something that reel got 60,000 views on instagram 6,000 likes a lot of attention and it was free it was completely free it was a silly reel it didn't make the brand necessarily look bad but i wouldn't say that a lot of other companies would want something like that on their page so that i think is something that They did really well where they just let me do my thing and they let me take a little bit of a risk and obviously they can delete it if it doesn't work. But it's just things like that where companies are willing to really put themselves out there and take a risk on something new. Usually those videos do a lot better than like the classic. When you follow a template or any kind of guideline and you try to mimic any other video on the internet, it's already too late. Like that video is already gotten its attention you're already going to be you're going to be the second or third or, and on the internet usually you're going to be the thousands thousands person that's actually reposting that trend so those usually don't do too well
0: yeah absolutely when you're like oh i've seen the same thing a thousand times before you immediately tune out from it so i got to know what is the secret sauce to getting a reel to go
1: viral on instagram i think the the thing is i don't think that there is necessarily like any secret but I think if there's any tips that these aren't necessarily going to work, so this could you, you got to have a good balance of following the algorithm, but also straying away from the algorithm to make yourself unique. So I think the first seven seconds are the most important. If you look at the data, people's attention spans have dropped like twenty percent since the year two thousands and social media came out. People's train of thought is going down. It said like something like fifty to seventy five percent of people actually don't have an active train of thought during the day. So a lot of people want it to now, they want something that in the first seven seconds it hits and they can just watch it for a minute because in reels pretty much you're swiping, it's a reel is like, it's meant to reel you in. So the main thing is the first seven seconds also appear on the discover page before you even click the reel. So if you're looking at like a bunch of people's photos and one reel that has something really eye-catching show up in that little preview, that seven second preview, that's what's gonna make someone click. And I think another thing is make it not that long where people actually might on purpose miss one thing in the video so that they have to rewatch it. If you put in a lot of information really quick, that also could work. People will have to rewatch it just to, if it's like a tutorial, like a one through seven steps, but you make all the steps go really quickly. People will have to watch that video a few times. They'll pause it. They'll save it too. So if you can add any kind of value, that always helps. If you can give someone a tip or something that they can actively like change in their life that day, that's a higher chance they'll save the video because they want it for later. So I would say those are like the ingredients, but you you can't take them too seriously because it's, if, you say, if you stay too serious, it won't do well. So you can't just follow all of those and think that once you upload a video, it's just going to go viral. It's got to have your own touch to it. I think a little bit of humanity is always good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, we've talked quite a bit about Instagram. Is that where you find most of your clients have the most success marketing or what platforms are they using the most?
1: I would say Instagram is very good for e-commerce businesses because TikTok is I haven't had much experience with. It's been good for reels that just do well in terms of views. But in terms of conversion to actual customers that spend money for, for a while, like a lifelong customer, it hasn't really proven too good because it's mainly a younger audience. Instagram. Facebook, I think Facebook is great because it has an older demographic. I think those are the more like the older you are, it seems the more on average, the more financially free you are versus like college students who are on TikTok. So TikTok is good if you're trying to advertise like a cheaper product. I don't mean to be like rude or anything, but just if you're looking to market like a cheaper, more kid friendly, more like a gadget or something like that, that TikTok would be great. But Instagram is great for clothes, I think. And Facebook is great for services, is how I would describe it. Gotcha. Now,
0: speaking about reaching younger demographics, you were telling me a little bit before the interview about a show that you've actually started. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So it's on newtv.org. It's called OK News. It's usually just me for the first 15 minutes. And I do a rundown of political news, pop culture news, and entertainment. So new movies that have come out, politicians, headlines, things like that things going on in the news that I think that kids would want to see because not like kids, but I guess I'm 21. So like people my age, younger people want to see. I I noticed that no one really in my age group watches like Fox News or CNN. So it's not even to go against either. It's just people don't have cable. People aren't watching the physical TV. They're on their laptop or they're on their phone. And information is spreading a lot faster today, which is great because a lot of the things that, you know, were hidden before that the press and the news could suppress is not suppressed anymore. And I I think that's overall going to be great for the country. And I, I think right now, a lot of people are starting to, you know, wake up to the truth and starting to explore and research their own, you know, their own facts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting shift to see, and I'm glad to see it. So that's super good. Now, tell me, you mentioned that you started a clothing brand when you were in your teens. You're 21 now, and, and you've been doing this business for a while. Where did that entrepreneurial drive come from?
1: Yeah, I guess this might sound a little bad, but maybe just my parents honestly pushing me to go the opposite way and getting you know good grades and telling me to go to, go to good college and just the traditional route of things and seeing that you know they did all those things my dad's a lawyer and my mom's and he worked for the government and he's worked for the u.s patent office and my mom's in tech and she was a director of a project that finished up before covid for 20 years and i saw that they had success in terms of certain things but they didn't really have The freedom and they were still arguing about the same kind of things that other people argue about that didn't even go to college or anything so i just was thinking like why go work for someone else for all those years and then in the end there's no loyalty there there's not it's just pretty much just seeing like firsthand and then also seeing the contrast of my grandparents so my grandpa was an entrepreneur my great grandpa worked for himself he was a developer in russia technically i guess he worked the state, but he was a little bit more free. He got to go around the world. He got to go to India when people from Russia couldn't travel, things like that. He was a part of just other organizations that were a little bit more free. So I, I saw the freedom in that, in, in just being a skilled individual as you are and not attaching yourself to the success of others. From a young age, I valued that. And just being independent was something that I looked up to and
0: I love it. It's really interesting to see the way people learn from their experiences and examples, because you can have siblings, let's say identical twins, whatever, who grow up in the same household, have the same parents, live through the same things. And one of them will see the example of their parents and be like, okay, that's exactly what I need to do. And the other one will see the example of their parents and be like, okay, that's the opposite of what I'm going to do. Yep. So it's just really interesting to see that. Okay. Now I want to ask you a little bit more about the business itself. And I want you to imagine that your business is a hose. Now we know that water flows through the hose. So imagine like that's the cash that comes into your business. A hose can get kinked over and then it slows up the flow of the water. So what is the one kink in the hose of your business that's keeping more cash from flowing into it?
1: yeah definitely my own i guess if you will my own ego probably i found that in times when i'm doing i actually work less and i'm a little bit less diligent and i'm less focused on the business and i took time off and before at an earlier age when i was like 19 18 i had come into some money and i was spending it a little bit rash i got a big, expensive car that did 11 miles to the gallon, which was super uneconomically friendly. But you learn from those mistakes. And that was that's also one thing, my ego, but that's, I think, something that a lot of people struggle with is I see a lot of people, they get this ex- something expensive that they can't afford just because other people do it. And I think I fell into that trap. And it, it actually, in a way... I learned a great thing from it. But at the time, it, it really hurt my business, actually, because my mindset was hurt, where I, I was thinking in the mindset of, oh, I have to make this amount of money. I have to have this amount of money in my bank account to make sure I have the next year's worth of payments on this overpriced vehicle that I don't need ready, pretty much. So like that mindset actually ended up making the opposite come true. Where Whereas when I didn't have that mindset, and I was just working on projects that I just wanted to work on that. I had that drive to just create something just for the pure nature of having my name on it, just getting that legacy. That was what drove me a lot further than when I had that stress of, oh, I have to do this so I can make this money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now I gotta ask if you feel like sharing what kind of car and do you still have it?
1: It was a Lexus GX. It was brand new. Uh, It was like the it wasn't the top of the line. Uh, I'm not gonna flex that hard, but it was like the middle. It was like. Pretty overpriced for a nineteen-year-old to be buying like a fifty-sixty thousand-dollar car. I leased it, but still, now I don't have it. I have a normal Audi car, but yeah, that that kind of thing. Like, I remember it, and it doesn't even feel great to me. But I feel like I have to talk about it because other people, when you first get that money, it's like I want to say don't spend it, but I also know you have to learn that lesson. where, and and the next time you you'll get that money, where you won't spend it. So it's something that you have to go through. But at the same time, I want to warn people just because you can get something doesn't mean you should just wait a little bit longer. Things change very quickly in this world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. And I know so many people who have done that because when you get started in business, especially if you haven't had a lot of money in your life or you've been an employee or what have you, and then a bunch of cash comes in, you're like, oh my God, I've never had this much money before. Like I can finally go do all the things I wanted to, I can get what I want. And uh, my partner is a perfect example. When she started her coaching business, she had been a, a single mom on food stamps. And then she started this business and she was making six figures a year the first year and had no idea what to do with the money. So she went out and spent it, took care of her family, did all the nice things. And then that's great until you hit that road bump in business. And then you're like, oh, I wish I had put some of that money aside.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, That's, yeah. It's a problem that I, I think, unfortunately, everyone has to go through because it's not like it's not something that I was taught at an early age. I was never just, I never had a class on that or anything. We never went over that in school. So when I saw that a large amount of money in my bank account that I'm not used to seeing, just it it changes you a little bit and you feel like you're invincible, but you're not. And you feel like you're finally free, but then you see the perspective and you're like, oh, that's actually nothing. Like I I thought I was rich, but there's really a long ways to go. And It's not even really about the money. I just think that kind of taught me is to not even use the money as like a metric of success because you might have a lot of money and you might think that you're doing well, but inside, are you really doing things that are fulfilling your purpose and are making you feel good? I don't know. I think that those kind of things, those materialistic things are just a way to make the pain a little easier. So it's like when you need those things, it's a sign that someone maybe isn't too fulfilled. When I see someone with five expensive cars or nice watches, it just seems like a way to mask it up. But I don't know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now tell me about your biggest initiative inside your business for this year. So if you could get only one thing accomplished inside the business by the end of the year, what's that one thing?
1: Yeah, this summer, I was definitely looking to make any kind of piece of content every single day for 90 days, getting the exposure to put ourselves in a digital world. That would be great. I want to be in media, I want to create content and be more on the creative side of things. That's where I always wanted to be. I just did the marketing as a more of a practical move. So definitely want to be in the entertainment and media space in some way. Have some people that are a part of our team also do well on the internet. That would be great. If we could have two to three successful channels under the brand name, that'd be great.
0: Awesome, love it. Now let's set the business aside for a second. Tell me what your biggest personal financial goal is right now.
1: Yeah, personally, pretty much just want to, buy out my parents' house, pay it off for them, and essentially just get, get a piece of land somewhere in America that I could build a pretty good property on. That would be my financial goal is to be fully independent and free, maybe have a farm or something and just chill. Awesome. Now let's talk about that financial freedom. You've given us a little bit
0: of an idea of what you'll do and and what it looks like. But let's assume that you're to the point where you've grown the business and you're bringing in all the money you could ever need. If you wanted, you could go buy two of those $60,000 cars tomorrow and never think about it. You don't have to show up for work if you don't want to. What are you going to do with your time then?
1: Yeah, definitely create some, if I had unlimited money, Definitely, first and foremost, all my friends and family would be set for life. They probably wouldn't have to work ever again if they didn't want to. After that, it's taken care of. Definitely start some kind of foundation that helps people who are a little bit disenfranchised in the world. I see even in Boston, the homeless population, the the government doesn't really do much about it. And I don't think that they have to. I'm not going to sit and complain that they're not. I'd rather just do it myself. I I think there's a couple of countries that I visited I've had a really great time in. That I think there's some communities I'd want to help out first. And for myself, in terms of daily activities, I'd probably just keep doing the same thing. I'd run, I'd I'd write. I, I recently finished a screenplay. It's just a passion project. So I'd probably just write, and develop my passion projects, get a movie made. If I had unlimited money, I'd just finance it myself, produce it. Probably still have a news show, just with better production, put it out, distribute it, make sure the world sees it, just you know, keep saying the truth every day. And if I had that kind of money, I'd probably be able to say a lot more, just fully commit to it and just say everything i know
0: that's awesome you've got a lot of impact goals there and great vision for a young man your age which i really appreciate that's very cool
1: thank you thank you yeah Uh, go ahead yeah i I don't want to come across as like too perfect or anything you know i've had i've made a lot of mistakes uh, especially in my earlier time in college so like you learn you grow and i think the most important thing is show people what you want them to see so You know, if you made mistakes, that's fine. Everyone makes mistakes. You you can look at the most successful people in the world and they have a perfect public reputation. And I'm sure they've made a lot of mistakes behind the closed doors. Keep moving on. Life goes on.
0: Yep, it's the same thing with if you look at a business on Instagram. Nobody goes on Instagram and they're like, I had the worst day today in my business. It was terrible. I don't have enough money coming in. This happened. They're all it just looks like everything's perfect and it's all polished. But of course, behind the scenes, like you said, we all make mistakes. We all have things that we're learning and working towards. And being able to share that and to be vulnerable and authentic really helps other people. Because they realize, oh, it's okay if I make a mistake. It's okay if I'm not to this place yet, because everybody's human. And even people that maybe we put on a pedestal or see as infallible, they're human too. And they make the same mistakes.
1: Yeah. And the world changes quickly. It's like a yin yang, I believe. Everything evens out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as you're working towards that vision of financial freedom that you have,
0: do you have uh, any written plan that you follow? Or what does that look like for you?
1: I have I have like an accountant who tells me if I'm spending too much or how to keep things in line. I don't really pay attention to it on a daily basis. I would say more on the maybe monthly to bi-weekly. I'll just take a look, make sure we're hitting targets. I usually like to write out my overall biggest goals just physically on a piece of paper, and then work backwards, just plan it out. If in one year I want to be here, in ten years I want to be there, how do I work backwards? So what would I have to do in these next six months to get it to? that point in a year and then to get at that point in 10 years, what do I have to do in those years? So just work my way. I've just been following my plan that I laid out when I was like a freshman in college. Very nice. Now, before I let you go, tell everybody where they
0: can find out more about Oakland Trust.
1: So oaklandtrust.org is our main website. That's just pretty much our business site. Our Instagram is found on there. All our pages are found on there. You can find me, be There's a new site called who.be slash samuel that's where you can you know, find all my links you can pretty much just google me samuel Libbinson. on if you spell it you'll you'll get everything you need pretty much it i don't want to forget anything but i think that's pretty much everywhere where my links are awesome and then the last
0: question i have for you is do you have any advice for other entrepreneurs out there
1: yes i'm still learning too but i guess If I had one takeaway, don't be too stubborn. When I was a kid, I would see in the movies and stuff like businessmen being stubborn was like a sign of power and strength. They would do something like my way or the highway or get out of here or we're doing it this way. And that that seemed really cool to me. But I learned very quickly that's a privilege that you earn by being successful is you get to be stubborn. And that stubbornness is a privilege that's limited. It's not unlimited even for the wealthiest elite. They can't say, oh, forget about it. I'm doing it my way. Eventually, they have to adapt and people take on new business ventures and they pivot when things come into the market. Uh, You can't just avoid Web3 forever. You can't avoid digital currencies forever because There's policies that are making sure that those things are coming and you have to be able to adapt. And I think that's the number one thing is you can't be too serious. It's like a good balance of, like I was saying for the social media reels, there's a balance in business of being yourself and being professional and curating your public image. Whereas you don't want to be too curated because people will just, you're going to box yourself in into a position that you don't want to be in. So literally six months from now, there could be a like a new business and you've been telling people I'm only going to do this. I'm only going to do that. This is my way. I'm sticking to this. But then six months later, you might be looking at that new venture and you're saying, I want to try that. But now everyone's going to look at you as like a flip flopper because you committed so hard to this that now it doesn't look believable that you're interested in that. So it's that's something I learned that kind of, you know, worked against me in the beginning is I'd be too set on doing something my way that then when I would needed to pivot, It's I have this like reluctancy or almost pressure to not pivot because of how well I talked about the other thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's something that I find so many business owners face. It goes back to what we're talking about before, where a lot of entrepreneurs have an idea of what their product or service is, and that's the way it is, and it doesn't matter if that's what their customers actually need. And most, or maybe not most, but so many successful businesses have started or have become very successful because they've made that pivot. They went out, they put out a product, they got it out to people, they tried it for a while, and then they realized, oh, this isn't actually what people want. This is what we've learned people want from having all these interactions, talking to customers, and then they make that switch, and then their business blows up awesome okay samuel i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to jump on the podcast with me i'm like a busy college student so i'm glad you could find some time in your day for that and just thank you for sharing everything that you're doing with the audience i know it's gonna be a great episode and provide a lot of value for people
1: thank you thank you i I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on and you were very professional you asked me some great questions it was enjoyable it's great awesome very cool i appreciate that
0: All right. If you're listening out there and you enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, I have no idea what you're waiting for because I ask you every single time. So please go ahead and do that. And if you can leave us a five-star review, that helps a ton too to get the word out to more entrepreneurs. And if you happen to be an amazing entrepreneur like our great guest Samuel today, and you'd like to come on the show, we absolutely want to talk to you. To do that, you can go to pyfpodcast.com. That's the letters pyfpodcast.com. And we'll talk to you over there. Thank you so much for listening. Samuel, thanks again for
2: coming on. Thank you. Have a great one. We'll see you next time. If you've listened this far, chances are you're an entrepreneur looking to become more financially literate and create financial freedom for yourself from your business. The Pay Yourself First podcast is definitely here to help with that. My goal is to continue to share what I've learned about using your business as the tool to create financial freedom. But let's face it, it would take me years to share with you everything you need to know via these episodes. Creating financial freedom is something that most people never even consider, let alone make a plan for or take action towards. It's something almost no one was taught anything about. Doing it as an entrepreneur is even more challenging, especially without support. So if you're ready to get clear On what financial freedom looks like for you come up with an action plan and get the support systems and accountability you need i invite you to consider the abundantly infinite entrepreneur i created the program to help entrepreneurs just like you get a handle on their personal and business finances and start building confidently towards financial freedom and it's how you can discover ways to take 10 years off your retirement add an extra five or six figures to your portfolio and finally get clear on what numbers you should be tracking in your business and why. Together, we'll gain clarity around your financial goals and what being financially free would actually look like for you. Then we'll put together a customized game plan to get you there and the accountability to see you through. And by the way, you're also going to get all the spreadsheets you need to run your numbers, lifetime access to the materials, including any updates, and entry into our members-only community.